fanficmedia.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast. With hosts, Christiana Ellis, Chute Schubert, Vivid Muse, and Nookchus. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to Season 6 of Beyond the Wall. Tonight, we're discussing Episode 7 of Game of Thrones, titled The Broken Man, with no spoilers past the currently aired episodes. And as I just said in the recording, I'm Juch, as always, joined by Christiana Ellis. Hello. Nutty Nuckjus. Hello, everyone. Uh, Chooch, yeah. I'm glad I turned my mute off because you're pointing <laughs> to everybody in the pictures. Was the funniest thing tonight. <laughs> Sorry, folks. It's all downhill from here. Yeah. And Vivid Muse. Hi. Hey, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so we are back on Google Hangouts. It, it really treated us wrong last time. And this time, of course, it worked perfectly. Except Hangout Toolbox still does not work, which is why I just held up an iPad with our logo. Because I couldn't do the overlay. <laughs> um. <laughs> This, uh, let's see, this episode. So this was another uh, pretty, pretty fast forward moving at light speed again episode. We visited a lot of ground. Uh, news things, news bits. There was a confirmation that um, something we mentioned, I think, on episode one, or maybe even the preview, that um, mm-hmm. they were saying that the next seasons are going to be shorter. And it looks I... like there's confirmation that... Uh, Nerdist had sent a uh, re-sent, or uh, I'm sorry, reposted a Vanity Fair article with an interview where one of the directors was saying, basically echoed what Benioff had said before, that it looks like after this season is complete, it looks like there are about 13 episodes of story left, which means the next season would be like, uh, what was it? Six episodes I think long? it's... Or no, one seven. One is seven, seven and the other is six. I can't And the last remember. one would be six. And right. those are going to be spaced out by like a year. So it's still mm-hmm. like, wow. So like, it's two seasons. It's still going to be a season seven and season eight or, right? Yeah, season right. seven will have seven episodes probably. And season eight will have six. And then, what the heck, guys? <laughs> Which means, yeah. So we're, you mm-hmm. know, episode seven yeah. of season six. We're just about done with this season. And we're just about done with the whole story as far as yeah. HBO yeah, is concerned. It, it, <laughs> Yeah, it feels kind of crazy to hear like that. That's all that's left is somehow sixteen like, episodes. All, sort of the feeling of fast forward that we've had uh, in many places this season just suddenly feels like like oh oh yeah we're we're really kind of almost there. Stuff yeah. Is- um, am I the only one that feels like kind of Babylon Five season four? <laughs> you know, it's like oh hurry up hurry oh, up yeah. things are ending, and I I kind of hope that we get more than just 13 episodes mm. but at the same time i don't want it to be like babylon 5 season 5 that you're like oh crap now what yeah so. i mean seven <laughs> seven seasons is a nice long stretch for an hbo show mm-hmm. yeah. sure is and it's the original number of i mean you know we're supposed to have seven books and seven right. seasons <laughs> would have made sense so i mean it makes sense ish mm-hmm. but it's I'm not ready, you guys. <laughs> I'm not ready to only have 16 episodes left. Yeah. Mike <laughs> kind of uh, Macaulay in the Q&A just says, boo, presumably, too, <laughs> being almost done with this. 
Either that or it. Boo, I'm here. (laughs) Ah. Ah. If I could pop in a quick news nugget. We have been actually already jonesing and missing each other since, I don't know, what is it, a week since Balticon? And so we're talking about doing two weeks. We're talking about doing some extra episodes, including one completely shame-bell-free spoiler episode in which we ask all the questions. Chooch will not be present. We will do warnings throughout the episode to get rid of people that don't want to know spoilers. But I have been I've been wanting to be spoiled, so the the lovely ladies are going to spoil the hell out of me. And I expect a lot of company in the chat because I know a lot of you guys want to know too because you may not have kept up on the books. Mm-hmm. And then we're also um, we're talking about some other just different things to do and having the feed. For me, I feel like with Allegedly, we have 16 episodes left, so it feels like all the stuff we've kind of been saying, we should do that. I'm kind of trying to actually get scheduled now or planned out now, so look for those kinds of things coming, and and if you have any ideas for a special episode, let us know. Yeah, Yeah, it sounds like there's going to be a bunch of space to fill. (laughs) (laughs) Sob. Yeah. Hmm. Any other newsiness? Do we want to jump in? Mike says that I was right about <laughs> it being about the story. Well, it was dual purpose because you also startled us. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Nice. Go ahead, Chuch. <laughs> uh, so this episode, um, I think it's the, I know it's definitely the first one this season of we had a cold open where we I know Ian McShane. We have, well, I had to look up Septon Ray wearing a seven-pointed star, and an immediately re- reveal of that Sandor Clegane is alive, which mm-hmm. my immediate reaction, I blurted out just, oh, fuck you, come on. <laughs> We're going to play this game. Now, he I'm really too. excited to see him, and I want to see what he does, but that was my gut reaction, was are we just going to play that- these games? Well, but, you know, we've talked about this controversy. Oh, Nettie's dying. <laughs> You broke her. Talk about broken man. You just broke our netty. But, um, I I mean, we've been kind of talking about it before, about how we never really saw him die on screen and all Mm -hmm. that that stuff. But I, I, yeah, I thought it was a really interesting intro because it was, like you said, it was a cold intro. And it Mm -hmm. started out in the peaceful, green, summery riverlands. And it's so beautiful and picturesque. And you just want to sit down and have a picnic. And they're building a church. And isn't it lovely? And and it's just like, bam, you know, there's the hound. (laughs) It was freaking majestic. I loved it. I I kind of guessed when I saw that they were uh, building a church what was going to happen just due to book stuff. Um, But at the same time, this is another example of one of those things that was a little ambiguous and not fully confirmed in the books. It's like the clues were there, but um, not confirmed. But so to have it in the show, definitely be the hound is like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. And so when I saw them building a church, I was like, oh, is this what they're doing? And then you see the one guy carrying the log, and I'm like, it is! <laughs> um, speaking of the cold open, though, I almost suggested that we do a cold open. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> For our podcast. That would have been smart. <laughs> I I had the same thoughts. All I could think was, Dagger, it's Dagger. Oh my God. You know, and all of these arguments that I've had in the past. And I'm just like, I wanted to call up Alex Skinner and be like, Oh my God, did you say this? Oh my God. But no. 
And I really want to say they're not building a church. They're building a house. It's going to be white, and it's for him and Sansa. But no, we're going to build that later. I was going to say, um, <laughs> if you knew that much, that's a damn spoiler. <laughs> no, that's not a spoiler. That's I know. So I know. Fan fiction. That's why I was glad I was slow on the trigger. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, the, so the, messing it, with me. <laughs> At the end of our last so, yeah. episode, when we had said, so the name of the next episode is The Broken Man. And I said, oh, so it's going to be The Hound. And that's, I think that was part of my <laughs> gut reaction to you. It's, like, yeah, uh, it's a bit on the nose. See, I, when you said that, I wasn't sure if you actually knew something no. or if you were just kind of out of nowhere, sort of. It was I, just I, my I, first yeah, reaction. That. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, you know, at the same time, though, your reaction, I think, um, I think you're not the only person feeling that way a little bit this season because for a show that sort of got a reputation for being willing to kill major characters, it's sure bringing a lot of them back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's one of those things of watch what you wish for or what you bitch about or something like that. I think that, I I mean, it was, it was, I mean, come on, from the opening scene of the first book, White Walker's, resurrected dead people, you know, but it's like, it's all, it's getting to really stack up at this point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we get, um, through their interactions, we get a little bit of, of how did he get in this predicament? And I was curious, what would he say? Is he going to lie? And clearly he says the truth. How many men did it take to cut you down? Just one. He must have been some kind of monster. He was a woman. Snoka <laughs> was a woman. It's plainly and simple. Well, you know, I it's it's interesting to talk about what's the hand, you know, or or should we even call him the hand, or is he just Sandor Clegane now? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a I very mean, good point. You know, there's a nuance there, but yeah. certainly when the question I was going to ask was, what is his mental state? Because certainly to be just so forthright about that, just like there's no pretense about it at all, there's no need to feel like he has to qualify it, it definitely seems like like he's not fully changed. Like we see his conversations with um, uh, with Ray over the course of the episode, and uh, he's still expressing some skepticism, but it's clear that, like, I, I don't want to say, like, there's a spark that's gone out, because that's not quite right, but he definitely seems changed. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, yeah, there's a sense now that, like, something is different with him. It's hard to completely put our finger on it. And it's right. also, I, uh, that maybe is where he's at, too, is he's trying to figure out what's different. Right. Well, one thing that I thought was an interesting mirror was all that, that's that let's call him Sandor now because he wasn't wearing the hound helm either. Um, and, and that's what uh, Ray was calling him, I think. But um, I'm sorry, I got distracted. I saw Christiana go off and I couldn't tell if it was sorry. a scary thing or a good thing. It was probably yeah, a Luna yeah. thing. <laughs> it was a uh, silence my phone thing because I was getting a text message thing. Oh, okay. So, uh, but what I was going to say is that it was interesting to hear when Septon Ray was telling his story, and eh, we should probably wait until we get to that scene. We're still talking about the opening, yeah. right? Okay. Right. Um, so he mentions how he uh, he uh, was just about dead when he found him, you know, scared the crap out of him. 
And so apparently he healed him, brought him back to health, and in return, apparently Sandor's doing this work. Um, Question about that. Yeah. Um, we're not necessarily led to believe that anything supernatural happened. Certainly Sandor doesn't seem to mm -hmm. think so. Right. But we also have to remember what Thoros said about Beric Dondarrion is that like he kind of just did the ritual he's always done. It never worked before, and then it just suddenly worked. Mm -hmm. Whereas now we have a Septon who was preparing oh. to do the last rites on him. Oh, so you think that Septon Ray may have resurrected him? I'm, I don't know. I'm, an accident. I'm just That's asking the question, do we think that it's possible? <laughs> because he was in pretty rough shape, and you know, the, the Septon's his whole, his whole little speech was about how you looked like you had been dead for days. There were bugs all over you. Yep, yeah. And I... That, uh, well, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to agree with you. I think yeah. that it's one of those things, it's like, it, it, it's, it goes to what we've been talking a lot about. It's because we see evidence of magic with the, the red god, uh, the lord of light, does that mean that that is the correct lord, or does it mean that there is magic out there that his followers have been able to tap into? And it, if it is theoretically possible that Septon Ray tapped into that, then it would be more along the lines of the, magic is just returning to the world mm -hmm. and people are being able to tap into it and they are giving it meaning mm -hmm. where it may not exactly yeah. be something. Well, I mean, it jumps... Uh, I, I guess it's technically in that scene right. where the, the Septon is, is telling him about finding him, but uh, what he's saying about it is like, I don't pretend to know what the will of the gods is uh, but he actually goes on and gives a whole little speeches. Maybe it's the seven. Maybe it's the old yep. ones. Yeah. Maybe it's the Lord of the Light. Maybe they're all the same damn yep. thing. Yep, right. exactly, yeah. Which I grabbed a I clip of. Oh, go ahead. I'm not a devout man, obviously. Seven gods, drowned gods, tree gods, it's all the same. That was Davos from <laughs> episode two. <laughs> yes, yes. He gives almost and, the exact and... same, but then it was, mm -hmm. okay. Oh, there's plenty of pious sons of bitches who think they know the word of God or gods. I don't. I don't even know their real names. Maybe it is the seven. Or maybe it's the old gods. Or maybe it's the Lord of Light. Or maybe they're all the same fucking thing. I don't know. What matters, I believe, is that there's something greater than us. And whatever it is, it's got plans for Sandor Clegane. <laughs> God, I just love his voice, though. Yeah, he's great. Well, that's that's also like obviously a reveal that um, I mean, it's it really doesn't have any plot impact. It's just it's because all of these scenes between him and and Sandor are all about establishing you know where Sandor is mentally and emotionally now, and also giving him a new direction to go in, which is mm -hmm. not necessarily the direction that uh, Ray here is advocating, because they have their later discussion about that, but um, I, I was saying this to you guys earlier, just before we kind of started, that, uh, that I thought, you know, Ian McShane, obviously he's a great actor, and right. so when they announced the casting, but saying he was only going to be in one episode, I'm thinking, hmm, well, he's, he's enough of a name that it seems like you wouldn't pick him for just you know, right. Sparrow number three. Um, <laughs> so 
I my first guess actually was that he was going to have some role in like the Tower of Joy flashback or something like that. Uh, but that was that too. was weeks ago when it was just a vague speculation. But the point is that for a character that's only going to be in one episode, but who nonetheless has to carry a lot of weight, dramatically speaking, in the sense of both reintroducing that the Hound is not dead and explaining why or how, and then also giving him his new sort of emotional mission. Um, you, you need someone who's going to be able to have the appropriate gravitas for that, and I thought they, they cast Ian McShane very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I thought it was an interesting parallel between the Hound and Septon Ray's relationship and Arya and Jockin Hagar's relationship because, you know, they both kind of came to, in my opinion, whatever happened with the Hound resurrection or near death or whatever, um, he is not wearing the helm. He is not Mm -hmm. fighting. He's not beating anyone. He's just kind of hanging out there. And it's almost like he doesn't have a direction and he's, I felt like he was really, really absorbing the things that Septon Ray was saying and really, really listening. And um, and I think that that's how, how it was with Arya up until, you know, recent events and with uh, with Jaquen. And it's almost um, like challenging who they are and deciding who they want to be in the mm-hmm. future because they realize that they are at the point, they're at a decision point. And um, it's interesting to see where both of them are going, and I can't. I'm really interested to see how the rest of this plays out with the hound. Yeah. Are Are we going ahead and talking about the rest of the? Yeah, the, I think we um, will. I think we will. From um, this initial scene, the two questions that popped into my head is one: Well, Sandor is saying, "If the gods are real, why haven't they punished me?" And how can he not feel he hasn't been punished? I know, as his you know? face is. Yeah. But the guilt to, he feels, it shows that he is remorseful. He yes. doesn't feel that he has been punished enough. Yeah. And I think that him uh, saying, why haven't they punished me, that actually parallels Jamie, who mm-hmm. keeps asking to be punished. Yeah. Also mm-hmm. Theon. And yeah. Theon, yeah. Theon, yeah. It's, yeah. It, but I think, oh, sorry. No, I just, I think that it's it's really interesting because it shows when someone is truly remorseful. Because with Jamie, for instance, um, he never talked about being punished for what he's done until after his arc with Brienne, until he, after he's able to right. see the world a little bit more. Um, Theon thought he was all in the right until after he w- went through horribleness and was able to empathize with his victims. Um, and, you know, after everything that was done to him by Creepy McFucko, he still thinks he should be punished and, mm-hmm. and justice should be served to him. Um, and so Sandor, he's sitting there, you know, he was completely dead. Yeah. And he thinks that, you know, I I, I, I still need to be punished. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're it's still living, haven't been punished if you're still living. Um, and yeah. he said that well, Exactly, that was the him. perfect response. It's like, well, how are you sure that this isn't your punishment being kept alive is how... You know how I took it. You're you're struggling over, baby. That's your that's your punishment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, "Hey, I'm, I'm suddenly thinking of Hamilton is like dying is easy, my boy. Living is harder. <laughs> it's true, though. <laughs> the hardest thing in this world is to live in it. Mm. Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, Septon 
Ray gives a sermon later, clearly meant for Sandor, it seems, you know, similar parallel storyline in a way. They were both horrible people who did horrible things. And then we meet three brothers without banners. Um, So, um, just, I I, I don't dispute that that's who they were, but uh, I, I thought it was interesting that the show didn't, did the show? Did Sandor say that it was them? I couldn't remember if he, he said the Brotherhood. Named them. He said the oh, Brotherhood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have a bit of a problem because uh, one of the dudes had little wooden towers holding his cloak on. Mm-hmm. So when they came up, I thought they were Freymen. Well, mm. but but the brothers, the Brotherhood had all. I mean, yeah. They they could have. They didn't make everybody have. They didn't have mm-hmm. a uniform. Um, Not to uniform. mention that they <laughs> probably just stole all stolen. sorts of stuff. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's Everything all... they have is stolen. My only issue is that it doesn't feel, and again, this might be coming from the fact that I've read the books, it doesn't feel like the Brotherhood would do that to a bunch of peaceful small folk. I mean, yeah, well, they're following the Lord of Light, but they're supposed, their whole mission statement is that they're there for the small folk. But there's well, always corruption. I oh, mean, yeah. look at, I mean, when Tywin sent out the mountain to try and keep the peace, look what he did. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everybody, everybody, no matter how good a movement is, there's always going to be corruption. So I thought that that was believable completely, if not, you know, ordered by someone higher up. They do also, have body, people to feed, and they do have a cause they're trying to, to forward, so... We also haven't heard from them in a while, so we don't know what yeah. might have changed about their yeah. situation. And seems... having these faces that didn't look familiar to me might be the way to introduce them with that villainous cast rather than having Thoros or somebody roll up on them, you know? Um, to Nutty's point, though, I, I agree in the sense that I think it's intentional that this felt like this is a change from what the Brotherhood did before. Yeah. Now, that said, I mean, obviously, uh, Sandor has, uh, you know, reason to have not been especially impressed with them before anyway. So I think that they kind of, and Chich, maybe you can tell me better, but I kind of remember them more as like Robin Hood and the Merry Men. They weren't innocent. They stole stuff, but they tried to do right by the the common people. Is that how you see it, Chich, without having read the books? To this extent, uh, that was definitely the feel they were going for, and that was definitely the 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 front they were giving. But it seemed like some of it may not have necessarily been sincere at the time, because it seemed like I don't remember necessarily who were in the conversations, but there was a little bit of ribbing, you know, like oh, that's what you're doing right, you're liberating, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And what this told me is from those initial conversations where it was kind of on the fence, this is, no, they're, they're really just a bunch of thugs because they, how many seasons ago said, oh, to the wall, that's the most important thing ever. And they never showed up. Right. They've just been circling well, in the Riverlands thugging. Right. And, and, and the comment that made us all think of the Lord of Light was the night is dark and full of terrors. But, I mean, if I'm going to go a little further ahead in this story, it wasn't nighttime when they came back. It was full daylight, so it's yeah, it was... kind of like, what is them? I mean, I totally get that this doesn't have to be them, but I mean, they definitely are leading us down that road of thinking that we're going to be seeing those um, other mm-hmm. characters again, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, or maybe this could... is another offshoot. 
there's also kind of a religious purge tone to it because that's obviously a Lord of Light thing to say, and right. they did not respond in kind. Right. Right. And so there might have been an element of if you had said the right thing when we said that, then maybe we wouldn't have come back to mm. you. I take it as just intimidation, you know. They were well. I think it's that too, yeah. primarily. <laughs> um, yeah, my take on the uh, the the Brotherhood without banners was kind of the same thing in the sense that at least some of them did seem to have, in broadly speaking, good intentions of wanting to protect the small folk and not bow the knee under any particular lord, which may have been the actual primary element of that. And then the idea that they serve the small folk is kind of how they feel good about themselves. But which is not to say that they're not necessarily trying to do that. But I think it's also probably true that the very nature of their organization is going to attract the people who really just do want to thug around. And at some point you kind of say, well, are you turning those people away? They're wanting to fight with you, and then at some point, how strict are you going to be if that particular raiding party comes back with a wagon full of goods and you don't want to ask where they got it? And <laughs> um, It's like, you know, it, it's easy to see how that could happen, but it's also true, like I said, that, um, uh, you know, obviously uh, the, the saying the night is dark and full of terrors indicates that the whole, uh, you know, like, whether it's just Thoros or whether there's more to it, um, that the whole Lord of Light religion aspect of it is still part of what's going on there, which makes sense. I mean, you know, obviously Beric Tondarian came back from the dead more than <laughs> once as a result, so you'd think that the people who nearby would have an appreciation for real power going on there. But um, no doubt, yeah, I don't know. But so in any case, though, uh, obviously they're intimidating and. Uh, that leads to this conversation between Sandor and Ray of just like, well, what do you do about that? And and it's it's sort of the classic idealistic pacifist versus pragmatist mm -hmm. conversation. So I any more nowadays, you know, um, when it comes to television and fantasy, my opinion is always kill them all. <laughs> chop up Kill their them heads chop them off burn them <laughs> it is always going to come back to bite you in the ass there is no repayment for being a good person mm -hmm. ever I mean don't go out and murder people virtue but... is supposed to be its own reward yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, obviously, in in this context, we we get relatively immediate confirmation that at least right. in the show's world, they they're not going to be uh, rewarded in this world for yeah. right for the pacifism. Um, but it's interesting because I I feel like where this leads, Sandor, um, is that he he's changed by this experience and by his contact with Ray, which isn't to say that he comes around completely to what Ray was saying, right? You know, it's... it's you I know, believe he was really listening, though, don't you? No, don't oh, you totally. He was, like, really absorbing it? Yes, no, I, I agree 100% and that he's listening and appreciating it, but it's, you know, I mean, I don't want to get into politics, but it's just like how, for example... 
you can have a candidate say something really valuable about one topic that you really agree with, and you kind of wish you didn't disagree with them on other things, but that doesn't make them wrong about the one, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think there's an element there with Sandor where he's really feeling, like what he took to heart, I think, from what Ray was saying, is the idea that maybe there is a reason for him to be here, maybe he can find something to do with his life that isn't just wandering around committing random yeah. violence um, or being selfish. You know, like maybe there's something else he can do. And he but, disagrees with Ray about being, you know, whether violence is just, is, is it always bad or is it, you know, and so his picking up the axe at the end certainly doesn't seem like he's going to go <laughs> chop more wood. So, um, well, I, I, I guess that I was kind of like, like, kind of like seeing the parallel with Arya and Jaqen. I feel like he wasn't buying it. He wasn't like going, yeah, sure, pass around the collection cup or let me do whatever and I will plant the seed of the barley or whatever. But when food was ready, he had his defensive hackles up mm -hmm. and that's when they had that conversation and um, it, it was almost as though the Hound felt like he was going to be able to turn away from the fighting and the killing and the murdering and go towards the helping of people, which is what Septon Ray said at one point, because he just kept there hacking away and he kept chopping more wood because he said it's going to be a long night. Because he, I guess he expected, like I did, that they would return in the night and that they would have to have fires lit all night. And so he didn't stop until he heard the screaming. So I almost felt like that was him doing, actually doing an, an act of kindness and being helpful in a way that he might not have done if Septon hadn't said things the way he did. Mm -hmm. And then had right as the Septon was saying those things, had the you know brotherhood brotherhood guys show up and really kind of make the Hound have to decide between pacifism and violence right away mm -hmm. with hardly any time to think. It seemed like. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I don't think. I, I'm not sure if you were. I I didn't feel like you were disagreeing with me, so I don't. I I I didn't feel like any of that is in conflict no, with what I say. I don't think no. it was. I okay. wasn't trying to be. Was no, like, just when you started, I, when you started your tone, I was thinking it was a little bit like it was like I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Mm. But so anyway, that's fine. That's fine. No, I was. Um, I'm sorry. I was just like pondering it. Like it well, brought up an interesting thought for me. Is all. It would, of course, also be okay if you did want to disagree a little <laughs> bit. The, After all, that was my whole point yeah. about how you can agree with someone on some things and not right. on other things, and that's okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and it does seem to me like it stuff did kind of sink into him, but then he's immediately shown, oh, yeah, we're in the real world. I need mm -hmm. an axe. Yeah, it was kind of heartbreaking. I think he was kind of hiding from the world and very happy to not have to do anything. And what we saw was as pacifist as Sandor Clegane is ever going to get um, because, you know, he's still a little bit realistic. I, we see this, you know, it's like, yeah, he's following. And, and I think part of him not intermingling with the other people is not so much about people being afraid of him, but him not believing he deserves to be in their company. Like, he doesn't deserve to join them for supper. He doesn't deserve mm -hmm. to join them for lunch. And this is more about his guilt. Um, but I think that, you know, the hound would have stolen everything they had and continued moving on. 
Right. That's what we saw before. Sandor here was helping them yeah. and was working mm -hmm. for them and wasn't taking advantage. Um, and and then he was pushed to it, and and picking up that axe. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see some blood. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure, and I'm pretty happy about it uh, because you know, as Paulette Jackson says in the uh, chat, nuke them from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, I just I I think that this whole you know storyline was really well handled, and I'm yes. pretty happy with it. I think that you know Ian McShane did an outstanding performance. Mm -hmm. uh, the accent he uses, I don't think is his natural accent because I think his natural accent is the one he used in Lovejoy mm -hmm. and this doesn't sound like that, although it could have changed. He's a lot older. Um, he's definitely not playing Al Swearingen. Oh, um, no, no. This is like the this is like a photo negative yeah. of Swearingen. That's what I love about it. I mean, he's still, you know, got all the fucks there. But... And he's got the history. He's <laughs> yeah. done the killings. He but just doesn't want to know Mo. It's a, it's a whole different character, and it's a fantastic job. And when he's saying that speech, I mean, you're swept up, you're moved, you're like, you know what? I believe that these people would follow this Septon. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. kudos on the whole thing. Yeah. So um, we had a couple of uh, Q&A comments that were in there earlier that uh, went away, but I remember them. Um, Mike had just pointed out, uh, observing that the the title of the episode, Broken Man, was a good one, and I certainly mm -hmm. agree there. Um, Jennifer, though, had a question about um, suspecting that that Ian McShane's character would be back, and not just one episode. But Maybe. I was, I, I, I mean, it's it's possible, I guess, but it seems pretty definitive here. So. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's just yeah. it's they didn't tell us if John, that Jon Snow was coming. I mean, it's they could the whole point of this is that we don't know what's going to happen next. I think it's I think it's feasible. I mean, well, there's Ian red McShane, everywhere right now. They're everywhere. Yeah, Ian McShane had said that he only did one episode and he's not coming back, but he could totally lie to people. Like <laughs> yeah. I can see him doing that. Non-disclosure agreements well, exist for that very reason. I don't disagree that you know the him saying that he was only in one episode is not necessarily definitive. It's certainly a world in which resurrections happen, but just from a storytelling perspective, I don't see any value in bringing him back. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Um, well, I still see it as a possibility, but yeah, who knows what they'll do? That would mm -hmm. be a jump the shark moment. <laughs> What's next, baby? That would be one resurrection too far. <laughs> 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 oh, but I mean, come on! It would maybe we'd get some swear engine on the flip side. There you go. <laughs> um, well, I thought we would maybe head over to King's Landing, follow the uh, follow the Lannisters for a bit, <laughs> mm -hmm. which we picked them up with um, Marjorie and the High Sparrow. So Marjorie is apparently, mm -hmm. you know, fully on converted. She's reading some scripture, and they have some banter, oh. and he makes it clear he wants her to bring Grandma into the fold. And, uh, See, oof. I'm interested that you describe it that way, mm -hmm. because well, I interpreted that scene. As, well, and you know, obviously later we had the other scene, but in this scene, I interpreted it as they are playing verbal chess here. It's kind of like I know that you know that I know that this is a lie. I don't. But know I'm going to see if I can get you to admit it, and that sort of thing. Because, sorry, go ahead. No, I think Chooch might have gotten to that. I don't. I don't think he finished his intro on that section. Was that what you no. were going to get to, honey? No, no, no. I mean, um, no, definitely not that aspect. 
I, I like that aspect. Well, you know, so it, it's obviously it was subtle. There was no, no one said anything to give this away exactly. But what, what I was kind of reacting to was, for example, she, she's her, her, She's too. It's too good. You know what I mean? Like the converted act is. Too I agree. Good. I agree. Oh. I concede. Last week I said she was possibly converted. Mm -hmm. She's not this week. She's very possibly not right. converted. And so I take back everything I said. <laughs> I doesn't don't have to convince me. <laughs> well, so even in this scene though, like I I wasn't sure. It was more like I was beginning to suspect because, first of all, and. and it wasn't just her, it was also his reaction to her because, for example, she's reading she's reading the Book of the Seven like such a good girl. She's got the verse memorized and then he's Specifically got, the mother. Well, and then that's, of course, when he points out there are people who know every verse backwards and forwards and yet they don't have the mother's mercy. And yet there are people who, uh, you know... Uh, have never read it all, and they know every, you know, they have all of the Father's wisdom, is I think what he says. But I, what that's basically saying is that if you think that memorizing the verses is what's going to convince me, you're mistaken. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, but at the same time, part of what tipped it for me was not even her, um, but him, just in the sense that. The whole bit about, oh, Tommen says you haven't returned to the marriage bed and, you know, does not require desire on the part of the woman, just patience. And I was like, that Trust is so him. creepy that the I show know. tipped its hand. We're not supposed to be remotely sympathetic to him anymore yep. at all. Yeah, I, I, my notes here are uh, more sexist bullshit from the High Sparrow. <laughs> and um, it just, it, it's, it's so much more of the, he's clearly playing a power game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I know that we've known that for a while, but it's just like it's so on the table. Mm -hmm. Um and and for well, I'll 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 get to my assessment of Marjorie later when we finish this up, but yeah. it just there's there's so much like you said, it's it's a big play tipped hand that this is not about faith. He is the big phony that he keeps talking about. Mm -hmm. So, Chuch, when you started, you were you were saying something about him wanting to get Olena into the fold. Did you have more you wanted to say about that? No, I mean or that was, that that was just the, the, the literal, basically what he said. This is your mission. You know, <laughs> we need to bring Grandma into the fold, which leads them into the meeting, her meeting right. with her. Well, going off of that, and also what what uh, Christiana and Nettie. Um, are saying it kind of brings me back to a thought that I had on my third viewing. Yes, it takes that many, um, which was that I think later on we can agree that Marjorie reveals that she's not truly converted, that she's still in there. Like Arya is still in there, Marjorie is mm -hmm. still in there, and that, you know, all of the broken people are still in there in one way or another. And um, like with Theon, it's just like, like Mike McCauley said, it's the perfect. They've been doing this all season where they've got multiple characters representing the title. And they started with the Hound, but they showed us all of them pretty much. And um, it was... I'm sorry, I totally spaced out on a whole other tangent. <laughs> Christiana and Nettie were saying, oh, I know what it was, was that do you think now that he was... And Chooch, I'm really curious about your reaction. Do you think that 
this the High Sparrow was actually trying to actively recruit Olena, or do you think that he was playing a game that would get Marjorie to get her the hell out of King's Landing and off the chessboard? Yeah, it was clearly, and what she says is going to happen, uh, mm -hmm. the extreme punishment for Loras, stripping right. Hargarden of their heir, is clearly not yeah. going to fly. That's clearly right. not at all. Elaine <laughs> is not going to be okay with that in any way, shape, or form. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But how and deep then, of a game do you think the High Septon's playing? Do you think he's trying to convert Olena or get Marjorie to send her away for out of fear for safety? I still suspect that he and Olena have some kind of a deal going on that's going to be revealed. Ice Barrow and, and Olena? Mm-hmm. And that the note that Marjorie gives her is like the, the high sign that everything's good on her end. And they're gotcha. going to essentially double cross the high sparrow <laughs> because I mean, right now there's, um, there's only the city guard, the faith militant right. and the Tyrell army. Yeah. In King's Landing. And the Lannister army that's now with Jamie and the Riverlands. Oh, right. They head off. Right. Exactly. So, I'm still holding out hope that um, that Elaine is actually behind a lot of this, and that's going to be a big reveal. Yeah, that's interesting. And for yeah. for viewers, this is again our non book reader. This yeah. is pure speculation. There's no spoiler. He don't know what's going on. <laughs> so I'm not bringing the shame. Well, out. none of us do because this is. Yeah. Um, I don't mean to cut you off. I was mm -hmm. just going to say that this is not something where we have an answer in the books. I just want to be clear for listeners. Yeah, yeah. we have he's, no he's interaction. A, in the books between any of these characters. Like, mm. none of this has happened. So this is all brand new stuff. Yeah. Um, I was, last week, I was m more on the side of m thinking that maybe Elena was involved somehow and this was a way to try to turn it back on Cersei. But I'm, I'm thinking that less now. What I kind of took away from this episode is that Olena really basically got outmaneuvered by underestimating how dumb Cersei was going to be in <laughs> in giving you know yeah. the faith, right. arming the faith militant. <laughs> um, basic, and so I think that what the High Sparrow was doing with Marjorie, I like that whole first conversation. I think was basically. I know that you know that I think you're a fake. This is a sparrow talking to Marjorie. It's like, okay, look, we both know what is happening here. But you have no choice but to continue to play this role. And you know it. And so what I'm going to tell you right now is not only are you going to continue to play the role, but you're going to keep the king happy, and you're going to get your mom or your uh, grandmother out of Dodge yeah. So she doesn't start stuff. I, you know, I don't think he thought, like, obviously, if if Olena could be brought into the fold, that would be great. But I don't think he's optimistic. Um, I think it was much more of a, the way he said it, again, it's like, I felt like I had rooted against him for a long time, but I felt this scene really tipped him kind of full on into <laughs> supervillain territory um, as opposed to, Ambiguous guy who seems sincere but has goals different than mine. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like, no, this is a bad guy. And yeah. uh, so he is um, basically telling Marjorie, you're going to keep playing this role. You're going to have sex whether you want to or not. <laughs> playing. And, uh, and you're going to get your, your grandmother out of town or basically take care of her or we will. And that's and so I think that later when Marjorie is going to um, to talk with Elena, that's the situation she's in. But the sneaked note, um, which turned out to only be in a drawing of a rose, which I think mm-hmm. actually kind of speaks even higher it's to how far. closely watched she is, is that she can't even afford to have written anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at the same time, the um, what I think she's doing with Elena there is communicating first. You know, not that Elena didn't know. It's like I am being watched extremely closely, and cannot reveal even the slightest hint that I'm not playing. You know, sincerely playing this role. What I need you to do is to get out for your own safety, but know that I am what you think is right. I am not really like this. I am playing the role the way you taught me. Right. I've got a plan. I I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I kind of saw it as almost like an ascension for Marjorie to kind of Olena's role. She's saying, I got this, Grandma. You need to go because they're going to hurt you, but I'm the queen. I have to stay here, and I can handle it. And the one thing I forgot to do, though, is to look back at the picture that she hand drew and see if there were thorns on it to signify I'll be the queen and the, and the rose had thorns on it. That would possibly make Olena feel like a little more yeah, I trusting. As, I, I'm still a rose of Highgarden. I'm yeah, that too. That initially. Right, right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's the initial, I think, goosebumps that I got anyways. Yeah. So for, for up until this episode, I really thought that Marjorie was playing the sparrow. But now I feel that the sparrow is playing Marjorie. Oh, there are a couple layers deep with him, I think. Like, like, I thought, okay, she's got a plan. She knows what she's doing. But I think she is really trapped. And she's just doing what she has to do to survive. And she's not won over. But at the same time, like, I don't think she's got a plan or in control. I think she's she's being played. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think she maybe also, and maybe Chuchu, you can give an opinion. Do you think that she prefers the High Sparrow and the church to her nemesis as opposed to Cersei? <laughs> like, she's got like two different nemesises now, although Cersei is allegedly trying to, to unite right now against yeah. him. Yeah, I think they're going to try to play them against the middle basically play them off each yeah. other and somehow big reveal that'll work out great for high garden <laughs> mm-hmm. um i don't think well so he's definitely trying to play her and i don't want to say that she's not trapped because she kind of is and that's part of the problem i mean she wouldn't tell olena to leave high uh, leave king's landing otherwise um, so I don't want to make it sound like, oh, she's got this, she's under control. But what I think is he, he thinks that there's nothing she can do. 
because what he can immediately take away from her at the slightest hint of disobedience, she's not willing to lose. And so he basically thinks, I've got you under my thumb completely. There's nothing you can do. So it doesn't even really bother me that I can tell you're faking because yeah. there's nothing you can do about it. And I yeah. think she's playing the long game, which isn't to say she has this cohesive plan and he's about to stumble into it, into a trap. I think she is biding her time looking for something that she can do. But what she wanted to tell Elena was first, I have to warn you that you've been threatened and also um, to basically reveal to her that's like, I am still me inside. I, it, I, you don't have to worry that I've really been converted. I haven't. Mm -hmm. So I am still trapped, but I am still here. Right. Mm -hmm. It's still me. And so, um, that's, so what I think would be really cool is if it's something to the effect of she is hoping with these sorts of conversations like she had with the High Sparrow at the beginning here, to basically get him overconfident and uh, to hopefully get him to do or say something compromising that she can use against him. Yep. And that's what I'm that's what I think she is hoping for, whether that will be successful in any way, who can say. Um, I think it would be a satisfying story to tell if that's what happens, but um, uh, you know, hard to say. But like I said, part of what gives me clues there is not any knowledge of what's going to happen, but only just looking at the storytelling of what happens in this episode, which is confirmation that she is just playing. She is just play acting. It's not a real conversion, mm -hmm. and the High Sparrow himself going ahead and fully crossing the line um, between ambiguous but fanatical to, nope, this is a power play. He is not a nice man. Yeah. yeah. Which also doesn't incidentally mean that he is not sincere in his religious beliefs. It just means that it, he is, it reveals him as a uh, the ends justified the means mm -hmm. kind of guy. Um, so it's not ideal, idealistic purity to the principle. It is whatever it takes to get done what I think needs to happen, which is essentially to dismantle uh, all of these power structures that have been working against the little guy. So he may still sincerely believe in those things, but it does not mean that he is unwilling to do bad things in the service of those goals. Right. Which, of course, is the whole hypocritical thing about trying to be fundamentalist and, you know, mm -hmm. holding them to account, but still doing underhanded things. Yeah. <laughs> um, talk about underhanded. Cersei comes to parlay with Elena. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Elena immediately uh, gives mm -hmm. her exact opinion <laughs> of what she thinks. I wonder if you're the worst person I've ever met. At a certain age, it's hard to recall. But the truly vile do stand out through the years. <laughs> that is the best. It is. Um, Mike McCauley had earlier in the Q&A called that the epic line of the night. Mm -hmm. yep. um, 
he had also said earlier that he, he doesn't see this high sparrow lasting much longer. Uh, Jennifer says, I don't think that the sparrow has seen through her charade, though I might be mistaken. Mm -hmm. um, the, the clue that tipped it for me, I, I shouldn't say tipped it because that implies that I know for sure I don't. The thing that made me think that he sees through it was specifically the kind of look on his face and the tone of his voice when she turns around all pleased as punch that she's memorized the verse that he was mm -hmm. about to quote at her. Mm -hmm. and she, it's like, oh, you don't have to read it to me because I already know it. And he's like, knowing the verses doesn't mean <laughs> that you really have. That's the easy and, part. And so, but like my my thinking is that what he's saying there is I know that just because you're spending time memorizing the verses doesn't mean that you've really converted. Um, but again, this is all subtext. None of that is really made obvious. Um, so it's it's possible that he hasn't, and I'm reading into it because that's what I want to happen. Right. right. <laughs> well, that's what we do. <laughs> it would be hard to believe that he would be fooled by that change happening so fast and so completely. Hmm. And he certainly has enough years of wisdom to keep him from falling forward or changing direction. He would just keep plowing because, you know, the ends are justifying the means. Like I think Christiana said earlier, it's results he wants at this point. I'm sorry, Nettie, I interrupted you. No, that's okay. Um, I was just going to be talking about uh, Cersei and the Queen of Thorns. Like, I love that whole scene. <laughs> and I love yes. that, how it played out because, you know, Elena seemed like she was willing to work with Cersei and now after meeting with Marjorie she's like you know what I'm out it's worse <laughs> than I thought I'm getting out of here mm -hmm. um, I can't I can't save my grandkids if I'm dead and I'm just going to tell you exactly what I think of you yeah. because I'm old yeah. and I can do that and I think it I love her I but, think that's part yeah. of her reaction, her reaction like you just described it and the things that she said to Cersei. I think that's kind of what really made me think that she understood that Marjorie was kind of taking on her role to kind of watch over her and Loras mm -hmm. and kind of the passing of the mantle. And that was her way of saying, you know what, Marjorie's got this. Peace out. I'm gone. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to go mm -hmm. make sure I got everything at home set up for my girl when she comes back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to say, though, that like even though this doesn't diminish how awesome Queen of Thorns is, because of course she is, or how great that line was, or how awful Cersei was, but when she was acting so high and mighty about oh, yeah. uh, all of these horrible things that you've done, Cersei, I was like, hey, Elena, remember that time that you had her son murdered? Yeah, poisoned yeah. him right in front of her. <laughs> Face, yeah. You could argue, one could argue, yeah. that that is worse than anything Cersei has done to you. So, yeah. or, or, just, or, just, you know. Yeah. Or, hey, Olena, remember that time that you squeezed Cersei out of any political power, which forced her to go to the High Sparrow to try to get political power in any way that she could possibly do it? I mean, yeah. we could do the whole it's your fault thing from Into For the Woods here. For her children. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah. So, like, but, like, we could do that whole it's your fault circular logic here and it really was very petty of the Queen of Thorns to just be like this is all your fault I don't have to worry about it it's like no no it's all your fault you mm -hmm. all contributed to this nightmare and she's just kind of given up you know yeah. it's, which is kind of sad to see but 
It's happening a lot in this show. It happened with, you know, Arya and the House of Black and White and finding out that they were just assassins for Mm -hmm. hire, essentially, instead of a really, really a more important, fulfilling religious order, so to speak, I guess. I don't know. Um, But, yeah, a lot of people are definitely feeling disillusioned, and I think that this was another point where, like with, the Hound, if things had gone a different way, maybe he would have chosen a more peaceful path. Like when Cersei did her Walk of Atonement, and I argued she really was scraped down to the very core of what she was. And had she not been greeted by Kyburn and the Mountain saying, we're going to get them all back for you, I think there's there's room for a conversation about maybe her possibly being able to be redeemed. Same as the Hound with this, and, and if Arya had found herself a true religious order instead of an assassin's sect, which is what this is looking like. Um, it, all these decision points are just making these people, it seemed, go back to things that they had already established and known for themselves. I have to fight for my family or, or whatever it is Arya was going to be doing before she got her little fun scene. But it, it just seems like with Sansa and the North and John and fighting for Winterfell and, and just so many scenes, the characters have been through so much, but then they're coming back after being broken and they're just stronger but more the way they were stronger than they were before thanks to it which is something that Cersei later says to Jamie they you know they broke us but they've made us stronger for it mm-hmm. or maybe that was that, last week that was it, was, it wasn't this week um Jennifer uh clarifies she's saying uh when the when the high sparrow spoke back to Marjorie. I thought it was rather asserting his higher stance as a religious leader like a pastor explaining to a nun that she is just a nun and holds no office. Uh, you might be right. Um, yeah. That wasn't how I took it when I watched it, but uh, you know, we, we obviously don't know for sure. Yeah, um, interesting. Mike points out that Elena dropped the mic and walked off stage. <laughs> I tend to agree, but I also hope that doesn't mean that we're done with her for the season. Oh, I hope not. Um, also, just uh, just to cover it now, um, Sheriff Bullock says, uh, I'm late. You may have already covered this. I thought Ian McShane was wonderful in his scenes. I only no. wish we'd got more of him. It feels criminal to hire an actor of his caliber for one episode. Uh, we did, of course, already cover that. Uh, we pretty much all expressed uh, that we wished he was going to be here for more than an episode. Yeah, and, and there was even not. speculation of whether or not it is going to only be one episode. I don't know. Um, but uh, certainly, yeah, so we, we, we did cover that already, but you are you also right. <laughs> and I think none of us are surprised that Sheriff Bullock's opinion of Ian McShane is that he's fantastic. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> Considering yeah. he has a whole podcast dedicated to Deadwood. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had a piece of feedback from a listener in the UK, uh, Mark Bailey, or I seem to remember a couple seasons ago. Uh, I won't read through the whole thing. Um, well, I will read the first line. Loving your show this season. Thanks for the audio recaps. I really appreciate them here in the UK. Oh, <laughs> yay. Thank you, thank you, Mark. So he has something that he's been discussing with uh, his friends at work, and it's this theory about Cersei and about her trial. Um, Mm -hmm. So Cersei still needs to stand trial for her crimes and is going to opt for trial by combat with the mountain as her champion. So clearly the faith will need a champion. I like the idea of Tommen being chosen by the high sparrow to be that champion, leaving Cersei in a bit of a pickle. Uh, (laughs) That is so different than the theory that I had. 
I got goosebumps. Nose. Oh, Nose. I, I wow. can't help but think. Who, who would be the next? Uh, wow, that opens a whole can of worms. Yeah. Because who, who then inherits the throne? Does it go to the faith or does it go to the next? Well, Sir Strong can't, can't <laughs> kill Tommen. Cersei would. Well, that's what I'm he, saying. He yeah. is sworn to Cersei. He is not sworn to the king. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That is what I'm saying is that Cersei would sacrifice, in my opinion, she would sacrifice the mountain. And. But I mean. Well, what, so, I, it, <laughs> oh, that just broke my brain. That is like an amazing. Places. That's an amazing idea. Yes. The only The only thing that leads me to doubt it is just that I feel like even persuaded the way he has been, he has seemed to be, I think that would be a bridge too far for Tommen. The idea that uh, he's going to fight the mountain against his mother's interests. Marjorie really, really, really wanted it. Oh my god. Well, so I I don't know. I mean, that that is like, that's an idea that had never even occurred to me and just the dramatic implications are amazing. I would be really surprised if that's what happens, yeah. just given what I was saying, but I that's would, such a cool idea. Yeah, I would think they would have to trick him into it, basically. I don't know that he he would agree to it. And certainly Cersei, well, I mean, once well, she so, claims her champion, I guess she doesn't have any choice anymore, legally yeah. speaking. <laughs> so, so, well, Christiana, <laughs> was your thought that it was going to be Sandor? Yes, um, so this is, this is just pure fan speculation. So this has not been it, covered in the book at all? No. Okay. And, and it is 100% based only on wouldn't it be cool if. There's really uh-huh. not even any evidence to suggest it otherwise. Okay. But given Sandor's newfound faith-ish, um, people were speculating this incidentally before yeah. this episode because they expected that that Sandor was going to come back. Mm-hmm. But the idea that what if Sandor was the Faith's champion, meaning not only do we get the trial of combat for Cersei, but it's also a meaningful combat between yes. these two brothers who hate each other. And that's, I think, really dramatically interesting too. But what feels a little weird about that is just given where Sandor's left at the end of this episode, it doesn't seem like he's on his way to King's Landing anytime mm-hmm. soon. Yeah. And anyone who would have asked him to do this, like, where are they? Like, so what What would get him there? And yeah. Everybody's in the Riverlands, it sounds like. Everybody's heading yeah. that way. I mean, King's Landing seems to me like the last place he would ever go. He, you know, fuck the Lannisters, yeah. fuck the crown. Yeah. He left, what was it, the, um, he, he left King's Landing, gave up the job, stopped being, you know, the protector of the king because of the Battle of Blackwater. It will literally take fire to chase him back towards the King's Landing at this point. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, we we got more uh, Q and A here. Uh, we got uh, uh, Jennifer saying Cersei looked like the guy from American Psycho in that scene. Yeah, so that impression <laughs> might be biased by the promo from the next episode. And then we mm. got the eyes wide uh, <laughs> smiley. Um, uh, let's see. Let's, oh, hold like kind of a, let's hold it off on Sansa and Davos until we get there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, next, I mean, if we keep following with the Lannisters, we next go on to River Run. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, which we get Bronn coming back. Jamie and Bronn. Yay, Bronn! 
talk about why they're there and mm-hmm. right off the bat we get just you know amazing one-liners from braun you have better instincts than any office in the lannister army that's like saying i have a bigger cock than anyone in the unsullied army <laughs> oh braun yeah um braun is great i'm glad to have braun back we've missed him I uh, am reminded of what a great actor Jerome Flynn is because yeah. in the hiatus I watched a, a new season of Ripper Street mm-hmm. dropped on Netflix and the two characters are so different. He's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that, I mean, it, it hasn't been that long since we've seen Braun because he was there in the background and mm-hmm. he was kind of like a prop or a straight guy to play these different, like the thing in the cell with the sand snakes and things like that. He was in the background, but this is like the first like real bronze scene that we've had in a while. And you're right. It was just wonderful to have that back again. Nobody can, what was, <laughs> I made some comment to Chooch about how, you know, Jamie is so full of swagger and so confident, and then Braun says two things and just, like, cuts mm-hmm. him down to his knees. It's just he's got this great shorthand to keep him humble and focused, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, one thing that's interesting about this whole sequence with Jamie going to River Run is that after having diverged from the book storyline for a long time, like since season four, being completely off of where the book had him, he is now just like right back where the yeah. book had him at this point. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. It, hmm. like they completely reset him right into the book storyline in kind of an astounding way, mm-hmm. given yeah. how different his intervening, intervening time had been. Like right. never went to Dorne in the books. That wasn't the thing. Um, basically, this, you know, so the only thing that's uh, really different about uh, where he's at in the in the books, and I think we touched on this briefly last week, is that when he left King's Landing to go to River Run in the books, he and Cersei had had a falling out and yeah. were not happy with each other at all. And he's still Kingsguard. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, so that's different, but otherwise, it was kind of like after all of this season, we spent all of this season with us as the book readers in completely new territory to mm-hmm. ha- suddenly have this storyline show up again. It's like, oh, this was from book four. Yeah, <laughs> it's fascinating, and it's one of the things that I kind of hoped would happen because they did skip over so much ground so it's you know it's one of those things that everybody hates it when I go spoiler alert or be careful but right. it's one of those things that's kept us from spoiling things that may now actually happen yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. although what's what's interesting just because of the the structure of books four and five is that all of though the stuff that we saw tonight was in book four we don't actually have much more book story beyond this point yeah we have a little bit but not that much yeah right yeah, yeah. I just I just marveled at how like the conversation he has with the blackfish, which by the way I'm going to totally oh. fangirl the blackfish yeah. is back. The blackfish is back. Um, the whole conversation that he had is like almost exactly the same in the book, mm-hmm. which is just so wild. You know, as Christiana said, everything was new, and then it's like, whoa, how? But it makes sense. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty wild. Interesting. 
Mm-hmm. I think the conversation between the Blackfish and Jamie was really interesting because Jamie is still, or it seemed to me like Jamie was talking, okay, this belongs to the phrase, so why don't you just take your guys and move along and I won't hurt you. And Blackfish is like, hold up. I was born here. This is my family's home, and we got food to last two years, bitch. We'll talk later. And it was just so beautiful. It was like, this can be a chess game to you. This is my home, and so we're going to stay. And I just thought that that was just pure blackfish. As long as I'm standing, the war is not over. (laughs) Yes. And Chooch, what was the show that we just saw the same actor on? Was it Outlander? Yeah, we've been watching Outlander right. on uh, mm-hmm. Stars. Um, yeah, great series. And we have we have two wow. Outlander stars in this this particular episode itself of Game of Thrones. That's right, um, mm-hmm. Edmund. On oh, there, both Tullys. Edmore. Edmure. 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 Yeah, is uh, mm-hmm. is a, one of the main, uh, really He's mean, dead. mean, mean, main character in Outlander. <laughs> The, uh, yeah, oh, slash Randall. nice guy. He's the nice right? guy slash awful guy. Yeah, um, it's a great show if you're not watching it. But it does yeah. have the actors that play the Blackfish as well as the actor that mm-hmm. plays Edgar Tully, and they're both excellently cast in both both mm-hmm. projects. I think they're just brilliant actors. Although well, it remains to be seen if he'll be given much to do, because certainly we he had kind of one significant scene here where he didn't even get to say anything. Right. Um, <laughs> We'll, yeah. we'll see what I mean. He's still alive, and he's, he's going to get alive. fed and bathed, apparently. But uh, yeah. um, it, I, I will agree, though, it was kind of a startling to see him again, just because I think it's see what season three, I guess, was when we last saw him. We right? Haven't seen him since um, the red wedding, mm-hmm. right? And so um, to have him show up again, especially when that actor has now been recently in another show where he's yeah. playing a very different character it was a little bit like oh yeah this guy yeah, yeah. now oh right I, I, he is Catelyn's brother that we have right. just kind of forgotten existed I know so, I was um, like Tooch do you recognize that actor and he was like uh nope <laughs> and I was like it's Blackfish I wonder if he'll have white hair next week or not and sure enough his hair was darker than when we saw him on Outlander <laughs> and <laughs> so I actually I, I, the whole Blackfish thing I just I have a question for Christiana. Correct me if I'm wrong, but do we ever see Edmure again after he's taken hmm. at the free um, wedding? In the books. What? So, in the books. Yeah. yeah. Um, not until this equivalent scene in book four. Okay, so the same thing happens to him there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Good to know. Yeah, it's pretty much, it's very similar. It is... Two of the phrase basically making empty threats to the blackfish about well, and what we hear in the book too is that like this isn't even the first time that they've done this. They've right. apparently gone through this little ritual like every day for weeks. Yeah, uh, bringing him up and putting him on the scaffold, saying we're going to hang him this time. We mean it today. <laughs> and blackfish going. I love Jamie yeah. talking Just about. Get it over with. Threats. He's like, mm-hmm. if I tell you I'm going to hit you, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that gold hand. <laughs> I fucking love it. Um, they're so dumb. I mean, and it shows so clearly in talking with them. And even, like, I took one of my little things is taking pictures for my notes and, like, a picture of Brendan the Blackfish in his armor, which is very simple, but it's scaled like a fish, and it's black, and, it, and you know, you can see all of his guys wear it. It's, 
oh, you know, and then you've got uh, Jamie and Bron come riding up, and Jamie's wearing that gold armor with the red accents and the crimson this and the gold that. And then there's the phrase, and they're basically wearing, like, bonnets, black bonnets, and some black underclothing like you'd see on from at Castle Black. It was just like, I thought it was a great, a great way to point out the difference between the different, the three different armies that are there now. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Totally. Um, on on that note, in terms of just the look, we have uh, Paulette in the Q and A saying, "Best part of this scene, Nikolaj in Lannister armor. Hello, nurse." Yes. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Also, Jennifer uh, points out that a uh, a selected champion can deny being a champion, like Bronn did when Tyrion asked him, and it's, yes. so they they don't have to do it just because they're asked. Yeah, and you couldn't compel a king anyway. Yeah. Uh, it, so I, I I love that idea from a dramatic perspective, but I just I don't see how you could get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else we need to talk about in the Riverlands? I don't think so. I thought we would head up north. <laughs> uh oh wait I'm sorry I I asked the question I did want to comment that I did write as soon as uh, it started I was like oh great Chuchu's favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> So we can move on. <laughs> Which I vowed. I would not complain about again. Thank you for complaining for me. Um, yeah, um, the uh, the talking about how we've been watching Outlander, that there's a similar even uh, theme going through the, ep- the last couple episodes. So the last episode in Outlander, the main characters are trying to build an army. Yeah. And they are going to his estranged grandfather to try to mm-hmm. get men who was played by Clive Russell, the blackfish plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Outlanders guy's grandpa. Um, so watching this was uh, confusing. Um, <laughs> I'm like, who are they going to go see next? Are they going to no? John doesn't have a grandfather, you know? Like, <laughs> and then you throw in Cal from orphan black oh, right. who plays Dario Naharis. <laughs> yep. I give That's up. great. But so if we first come across John and Tormund trying to talk the wildlings into fighting with them, along with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm -hmm. John reminds them pretty clearly, pretty rightly so. Everybody else hates you. I'm the only one protecting you here. Like if when I'm gone, you're on your own and you're going to have to fight everybody. So Mm -hmm. let's do this together now, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I, I... It was a very just pragmatic uh, approach of like, look, it. I know it's not fair for me to ask you this of you. It wasn't part of the deal. I understand your reservations. But what I just have to be honest with you is if we lose, they're going to come kill you anyway. Right. So if at least you come with us and fight with us, maybe we won't lose. Yeah. But if you don't come with us, they're definitely going to come kill you. Right. I kind of saw it as John setting him up and Tormund knocking him down. John's like, I know this wasn't the deal. And Tormund's like, he died for us. And like, okay, done. <laughs> <laughs> I love Tormund's speech. Cowards if we don't do the same, you know? That was just brilliant. How can you? Aren't we all kind of crushing on Tormund a little bit at this point? Oh, he's Except crazy. for Brienne. Yeah. <laughs> I she wrote is. down how much I like Tormund's speech and why couldn't Brienne have heard that? Right. <laughs> All she got were like goofy eyes from him and she's like, oh God. Curvy ugh. leers and <laughs> ugh. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Um, and so uh, uh, one one is the deciding factor, he says, with one word. 
No. <laughs> yep. It's decided. And that, to me, replaces the raven saying snow. Mm-hmm. Which we, we did not get. Well, okay. yeah, it would have been hard to do that. So I know it, it was, but that, this, this makes my heart happy. Are we talking, <laughs> is that a book spoiler, Nutty? Are we going to no, go it's, it's, a, it's a book old thing. So okay. when they were doing the election yeah. for uh, Jon Snow to become Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, there had been set up prior to that that Lord Commander Mormont had a pet raven that would sometimes repeat words like parrot. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, just as Jon Snow had technically won the election, but there was a lot of rumbling of like, is this right? He's kind of, I don't know. Um, all of a sudden, the raven shows up and going, snow, snow. And everybody's mm -hmm. like, oh, it's an, it's an omen. It's like Lord Commander Moment giving his, his attention. But there's also some hints that eh, maybe Sam put up put the raven up to that and kind of manipulated that situation to make that happen. Because <laughs> Sam had been teaching it to say snow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was like his whole thing. He was teaching the raven. And it was this whole little great side plot that you could totally couldn't yeah. have in the show. And I know we discussed it mm -hmm. when it happened, um, but... Yeah, you know, it's there's a couple of things that you it, know, it's it a, just stinks. Yeah. It's but a fun so detail that was one just... one saying mm -hmm. snow to me is all of that. Nice. <laughs> so did anybody else? Um, I mean, after we had the wildlings agree, kind of seeing John and Sansa and Davos do this kind of like shuffle around like Danny did um, in season one, I guess it was, like it was like a like an in-person GoFundMe campaign of soldiers where there's kind of like going and giving their spiel. Where are my ships at? Where are my dragons at? Where are <laughs> exactly. my ships? Where are my dragons? Where are my ships? Well, I guess boats at is one of this. But, uh, but I but, think uh, that I – tell me – I mean, okay, so the internet lost its mind over Lady Mormont, Lady, like, Lady Leanna Mormont. Everyone mm -hmm. loves her. It cannot be disputed. It is known. She's amazing. She would already be on the Iron Throne if she made that her goal. She's just beast. She makes things happen. But, um, like, I think that her scene itself was very compelling because it it kind of made me a little sad, though. Like, so John gave her his spiel, and then our, um, Sansa speaks up, but it's Davos who has, for the last however many years, been in the castle with Shireen and speaking to her as a princess. He knows how to speak to a child that's royalty, and he was able to relate to her in a way that he couldn't really explain in other than these terms that he gave her. But mm -hmm. I think that the sole reason that they got Mormont was specifically because of Davos's bond with Shireen. I think he really channeled her when he was talking to her because he kept saying, you know, you're the lady, I'm, and now, you know, I was just catching crabs and now I'm speaking to the lady, the great lady, uh, the lady of a great house, you know, and it's, it was just very, he, he has that humble thing where John comes in pretty humble, but Lord Commanderish, he's used to people taking his orders. Sansa's mm -hmm. used to Red Landing and she's used to being, you know, protected and now she's found her voice again and that's fantastic, but she just used it in the wrong places in this episode yeah. and I think kind of drove people away from their cause. And and it was just for, I mean, did you guys see it that way? Did you kind of see any Shireen in Davis's eyes when he was talking oh, to uh, yeah. Deanna? Yeah. Totally. 
Um, I I kind of saw the three of them as sort of like a tag team. Yeah. Uh, this mm-hmm. episode, not that anybody did badly, as much as it's sort of a each each person is a puzzle, and you try to see what combination mm-hmm. of words will work. Right. Obviously, it was John that was able to persuade the wildlings. Yeah. It was Davos that was able to persuade Lyanna Mormont. Um, they they failed all three of them to persuade Lord Glover. <laughs> yeah. Um, but of that course, that's going to happen, though. Yeah. But then we also uh, one of the things that I thought was really uh, nicely driven home in this episode was to point out that um, that you know their confidence about people rallying to their side is really kind of misplaced yeah. because even the people who are loyal to Rob are like yeah and how look how well that went yeah. and uh, and then the people who would respect the night's watch are going to say what you really did lend all those more uh, all those wildlings in and now you want to bring them further further south further south with weapons that doesn't say, yeah. like that, you know. It's, so it's, it's a lot like Danny's confidence. Exactly, exactly. Right. Um, um, her 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 belief that people will hold up the banners and fight for her side as soon as she lands on in, on Westerosi soil, and mm-hmm. and the fact that has been said so many times that Westeros has moved on. There are other kings. There are other fights. They're trying to just have food stores for winter. And I think that yeah, I think that's exactly what's happening with this with the with Sansa in particular. Now that she's able to call herself a Stark again, she's really just damn well using it, you know, and embracing it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, during the speech and the convincing and all of that, um, and, and I think it's Davos who's talking about how the wildlings are coming, and all of a sudden, you know, he says the dead are coming, and then I realized the Stark's <laughs> motto is winter is coming. Yes. Is that what winter is coming means? It's That's not, what I think now. It's mm-hmm. always been about the White Walkers. That was what I took from it, and the I was going to ask you guys that. of the shield are white and blue. The <laughs> White Walkers are white with blue eyes. The dead are coming. Like the, the, the mm-hmm. Winter is coming, and it comes from north of the wall, and it's just... It's like a game of telephone, yeah. mm-hmm. and much like they, you know, the, the 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 Seven Kingdoms, at the start of the series, believed that their enemy was the Wildlings. The Wildlings is not really the enemy, right? Of the Wall, the Wall was not put up to keep men out, right? Right. So, well, anyway, that just was this like brand, an explosion in my head. Brand three-eyed ravens back to uh, Brand the Builder and says, "Hey, you know what your house price should be." Um, <laughs> I no, I Nutty, I I went. My heart followed the same course your did, yours did. Is that is this been like has this been thrown in our face the whole time, and we just didn't take it that one step beyond what the actual house yeah. words were? I feel yeah. like I it's totally, like the whole, went, the Walking oh. Dead or the humans. Oh my God, you know, like yep. kind of a, a a a thing that happened in my head, and I was like, oh. Duh, you can tell me. Uh, but yeah, and um, just last bit on uh, Lady Mormont. It's it's really um, so. There's a lot of different female Mormons in the books, and I feel like they combined so many of them. And it was really neat to me because in the books we see a lot of kids leading houses because other people die, and in the series, so many of those kids have been aged up. That we really don't get the the gravity of 
what it would be if a child is actually running a house and how their whole structure of raising children to be lords and ladies from the very beginning, how it's supposed to work. And here we actually get to see that. That's that's how it's supposed to work. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So far we've uh, only seen kids run kingdoms, not houses. (laughs) Well, we've seen Joffrey and Tommen with so many adults actually doing the things, and they just kind of wear the crown, and she was like the active, I don't want any more advice from you (laughs) now. Now I'm talking. We did also see Bran briefly yeah. leading Winterfell, Winterfell before it was um, yeah, right. seized by Theon. So I, I did have a, a brief note, um, and it was wasn't tied to anything specific. It was a general question that follows along with you, Nutty. Starks are descended from the first men. Wouldn't mm-hmm. the first men mm-hmm. be the ones the children were at war with? Yep. Yep. That's my. I mean, is that how you remember it, Christiana? I don't know. I don't remember um, that much of the history, but that's what I recall from it. I mean, man it in general, or right, the first but, men um, different from man in it general. It gets a little you know? bit complicated because there's the first men, and then there's also the Andals. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't remember invading armies and stuff. Yeah. That's well. I, that's. I would assume the first men were the first ones. And yes, the Starks are descendant of the First Men. And from what we learned this season, yeah. it was men that they had to worry about. Now, was it Andals or was it First Men? I don't know. Yeah. But uh, I mean, the children first were worried. Right. Or were First Men the men that were turned into the weapon, which became the White Walkers, mm. that were then set against the Andals, or were they set against the First Men? So know. much love yeah. for them to reveal. I just, it's like, I know we've only got three, what, three more episodes this season, and it just. Yeah. It, I mean, uh, I, I, I don't know how much we want to dig into it necessarily, but I vaguely recall that the first men were the ones that came and kind of got along with the children and were cool with the old, uh, the old gods mm-hmm. and all. And then when the Andals showed up later, they were the ones that brought the religion of the Seven and started burning all the weirwood trees. And cutting that, down the trees, yeah, yeah. So I think that's how it went. And so when um, uh, when we uh, saw the, the, the conflict, I think it was that. But, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. Um, and something that I had not realized until she mentioned it. Oh yeah, Rickon is Lord Stark now. Mm-hmm. He's the right. He's would be the rightful heir to the house. Now it sounds assuming like you're he's saying, not dead. assuming he's not dead, and that everybody else is like, ah, the house has already fallen. Starks are gone. Basically, is what well, you know, the feedback they're getting, other than from from uh, Lady Mormont here. Got to be. Um, it's got to be largely just rumor. The idea that he might be alive anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, because he was reported dead years previously, and just because Bolton is now saying I have him. Right. Although, because uh, we certainly want to acknowledge that the the implication and subsequently in uh, internet confirmed letter that. Oh, uh, yeah, let's be careful that, about uh, that. Yeah, well, I don't want to say. No, I don't okay, think yeah. this, is can't, this is careful. I don't think it's a spoiler. I think it's directly implied that we're supposed to know who she's writing, and I don't think yeah. it's a surprise. I think it's implied. I don't know that we know. I think we that do they know that because promise. the internet confirmed it. But, well, the show didn't confirm it though. Well, but okay, the show confirmed it, 
by having her write a letter on screen that if you're looking closely enough you can see what she's writing and what it says is I'm writing to Littlefinger to say you promise to protect me if you will bring the Knights of the Vale I will see that you're rewarding I dread this letter I, I, yeah. I well, feel that this letter is uh, Sansa telling on Ned uh, that we didn't really get in the first book, but yeah, basically telling the plans. Has uh, any of this happened in the books? Right. Mm. No, none of this. None no. of this happens in the books. Yeah, the only thing. So the the books finish of this storyline. All we had up through the books was the receipt of the letter from Ramsay up at Castle Black. Yeah. They received that letter, but also Davos was not there, and John had not yet died. And Sansa <laughs> and wasn't back. there. It's yeah, so that, was that's in the one of its yeah. wasn't there. Um, but yeah, so although I I don't want to get into this because we're already running long. Um, <laughs> I heard a theory recently that uh, what if Littlefinger actually wrote that letter and not Ramsay at all? But yeah, I I don't know that there's hmm. evidence to support yeah. that other than it seems like the sort of thing he might do. Um, I think we covered that when we uh, covered the letter. Uh, well, so maybe we could have a bunch of them. Yeah. Anyway, let's not get into that now. But um, yeah. To be sure, I, I agree with you that the framing of her writing this letter, here's the problem. When she met with Littlefinger and then told him to go away, she didn't tell John. Yep. And now mm -hmm. she's writing to Littlefinger and not still not telling John. That is the problem. They, If they're really a team, then she needs to be honest with him. And if she's keeping this from him, that's what's going to screw everything up. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Unrelated to this, I am still getting the vibe that they're going to make sense and John get married. I really oh. am getting that vibe. Oh, God. Um, yeah. And okay, I, I, I Let me add that to my list of I might quit the show if there's only two. There's, <laughs> right. That would be one of two remaining now. Oh, my what God. What is giving you that vibe? Because I don't get that at all. I don't know. It's just this weird feeling and the fact that they replayed that scene for the, the previous on. So she's not a Stark anymore. She's either a Lannister, Bolton, and he's a Snow. But right. they've still got Rick on Stark if they can yep. get him there. And I think that that's the thing that Lady Mormont was rallying around. Where I don't, I'm not reading into the two of them getting married though. Do you mean just to like consolidate the house? Just a legality. To thing, legitimize right? um, both of them. It uh, creeps me out. I hope they don't yeah. do that. I could okay. see yeah. if it did happen. I don't see those two characters consummating. Right. If if it <laughs> no. happens, I will declare you a super genius because I don't see it at all. <laughs> so I just it's a weird vibe, it's a weird feeling, and I'm maybe the only person that's thinking that, but you know, it's just uh, hmm. yeah, maybe you're just uh, you're you're sensing something between the lines here. <laughs> um, yeah, you might be right. I mean, I don't know, um, but yeah, I think I, I think. Using the Knights of the Veil vale is the right thing to do, but what's going to screw it all up is that Sansa is keeping it a secret so that they can't talk through it and make plans about how to handle Littlefinger when he shows yeah, up. Yeah, they're just going to show up and John's going to be like, hi. Uh, and then it's something's going to come out, right? Like, <laughs> Sansa, you yeah. sent for so me? Chooch. Right. So, yeah. So, <laughs> Chooch, when you saw it, um, I wanted to ask what who... Did you immediately assume that it was Baelish, or did you assume that Absolutely. she was? Did you think maybe she's writing to River Run? Maybe she's writing 
anywhere else? Immediately, pretty clear. She's sending a DM to Peter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, I mean, because she's sending you no know, Brienne out to River Run, so yeah, to mm-hmm. try to get that army. But yeah, looks like clearly... next week we'll we'll get her showing up at River Run. Yeah, That's going to yeah. be awkward. Very awkward. Yeah. yeah. So do we do we want to talk about Arya or Yara next? Yara, Yara and Theon. I think. Yeah. Yara that's, Theon. Yeah, that's a little quicker. It's just that, the one scene and it's not that long. Volantis, right? That's that I believe bridge. that's correct. Yes, they're in Volantis. Yeah, they didn't say out loud, but that's that's where it is. I seem to remember that from the, Tyrion being there in the I, brothel with I the briefly, Danny impersonator. <laughs> At the yeah, risk of sending us on another tangent, mm-hmm. whenever we see these maps of Westeros and Essos, is this a round planet? Because the Iron Islands are on the east. Wait, I don't think that's ever been addressed. Did anyone? Can they sail west and come to the eastern side of Essos? I've never seen anything other than the book map. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a question I never asked myself. I like PG I just assumed the show started. Yeah, I asked PG before the show started if there was any connectors around anything, and and he didn't know of anything either that showed the complete yeah. world and how mm-hmm. that strip of land. It's, it's a ring yeah. world, right? So uh, yeah, I don't I don't want to be realistic too much on that because it's it's I, honestly it doesn't matter really. If anyone yeah. has read the big encyclopedia and knows, please tell us. <laughs> What's it called? World of Fire and uh, World of Ice and Fire. Um, I actually have it, but I've not read the whole thing. I I have it myself, and I don't remember that from there. But yeah. I'm not read the entire thing. Gotcha. I've just mostly been skimming through. Like, ooh, look at that. Ooh, look at mm-hmm. that. It really doesn't matter ultimately. No, yeah. not at all. Right. Yeah. I I really did like was... Yara's Ironborn pep talk. You know, reinforcing yeah. drink, drink. Mm-hmm. Drink. I yeah. I thought it was cool. It I, was kind of a bring to bring him back to his roots. I need I the real Theon. It was. I will never hurt you. I will keep you safe. I won't tease you about that anymore. We're gonna anymore. go and get the Iron Islands back. Drink, drink, drink. I need you. And I think that was the only person. I think that was the only way that anyone could have gotten him really to look like he's got that spark back in his eyes again. Yeah. I but maybe I, he'll I'll, surface. I'll give it that. It, and it's felt in character, and maybe it's going to work from a dramatic perspective. But I just cringed that her advice was basically, "Look, I know you're sad because some bad stuff happened to you. What you need to do is drink more. And if you don't think you can get better right away, then just kill yourself." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's but what she said to him. That's hmm. what she said to him. That's yeah. exactly yeah. what she said to a man that's yeah. been held prisoner, had his penis sliced off, had bits of his body removed, yeah. watched people get eaten by dogs, and other watched Sansa get. He yeah. has seen so much. It takes that ripping off some of the flesh with the band aid to get through all of that pain. You don't think that that's going to take that dramatic. <laughs> I in think the in the story, it's going to work. I think right. in real life, the person think, would kill themselves. I think that the only, <laughs> I think it's, I think it was the only way post Ramsey Bolton and all of the things that Ramsey is capable of 
and all the things that Theon fought his way out of and the strength that he showed in doing that, leaping over the side with Sansa, taking off and going to the Iron Islands once she's taken care of, following his sister and, and being at her side like he says, all of those things show that he has that honor and loyalty within him and she doesn't really know much of him but except for when they were back kids, brother and sister running around and I think that she... I think that she really tapped into, I mean, they're ironborn when their uncle comes into town and says, yeah, I killed the king. I paid the iron price. I think this is the brutal life. And I think that, yes, she went really, really far. And yes, I think there are people that would have killed themselves. But I think that she was saying was to either stand up and be yourself or give up. You can't right. just keep being this little puppet in the middle that's kind of squishy and sad. I need you at my side as you not this thing that Ramsey turns you into. I understand all of that. I agree it's completely in character and in keeping with the culture they're from. I think it is terrible advice. Certainly. <laughs> so, well, yeah, they show rape, too. Saying. That's terrible advice as well. <laughs> well no, I think it's different. That's different. I think the story, totally is going to justify, the story is going to justify that this is what worked to get him to come out of his funk when I think that it is not how emotional trauma yeah. actually works. No, no, but no. In, I mean, what, anybody else but Theon, I don't think it would have worked. Anybody but Theon and what he'd been through. I'm not arguing that in the story it's going to work in context. Yeah. I just wanted to acknowledge that that is terrible advice, and I just wanted yeah. to say that. And so I'm not saying that it didn't make Heard. sense in context. No. Heard. <laughs> and I was extra disappointed because given the setting of the scene and what immediately preceded it, including Yara getting it on with a lady, I thought and hoped that what it was going to be is, hey, little brother, I know you're bummed about what happened down there, but look, that does not mean you have to be this shell of a person. And in fact, let's show that maybe you can actually find some way to actually still like this. You do not have to be forever alone and a crippled freak just because this happens to you. So let's get one of these lovely ladies who's going to be paid well to uh, put up with you and feel like, let's see if there's something that can still be fun here. If, if I may add on to that. Just because you don't have a penis doesn't mean you're not a man. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I, I, I totally get that. I, too, cringed at the advice, but mostly from, like, real-life stories of people doing that and it going yeah. badly. Um, but what I took away from all of this, because as she's talking to him, we're focused on his face. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing how upset it's making him. And it made me realize that Alfie Allen is a much better actor than he gets credit for. <laughs> I mean, it's not just doing the torture scenes. It's stuff like this, showing full range of emotion. And you can see him processing everything. And so I just want to give a kudos to Alfie Allen here because I think he did a fantastic job. I, and I, I think he may he, have had the, the line of the episode actually saying, bad years... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. years. yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm going to agree 100% that he's a great actor. I I might if I looked surprised or confused, it was only because I was thinking like, does anybody not know that he's a great actor? I kind of thought everybody kind of got that. I don't think he gets the credit that that he is due. I don't. I don't. I think right. like people talked about how great Jack Gleason was, um, and I I don't know. Like I think that perhaps. 
uh, being in Game of Thrones has helped him grow as an actor, but it's just really great to see. And and mm -hmm. when you think that he's the guy that that song was written about, mm -hmm. uh, and what he's been able to do with his life, and what he can give to a role, I'm very impressed. Yeah. Um, totally. um, I would. Oops, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to say we did have a thing in the chat from Tibby saying um, that there was a something in the books about uh, someone mentioning about no one ever returning when they sailed uh, around. Hmm. So basically... Right gotcha. Yeah. Thank the, you. Well, there's a whole southern continent that not people don't know much about either. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Aria. Wow. Bravos. <laughs> oh, uh, one last we know about bravos. Sorry. Uh, just one last thing. Uh, so, <laughs> seeing Yara with a woman, I was like, oh, yay, they kept her bisexual. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, no, my memory was wrong. <laughs> Asha, who's the character in the books, was never with a woman. But mm -hmm. in my head, I I guess, I don't know, wishful hoping mm -hmm. or whatever, um, I always read her as bisexual. And so, <laughs> you know, I... Yeah. don't know that she is bisexual in the show because so far we've mm -hmm. only seen her with women, but yay! <laughs> I, I, I bought it immediately in context. Oh, yeah. Um, I, uh, in fact, actually, I was uh, exchanging some tweets earlier today about this scene um, with uh, Molly Astertag, which, who is the author of the Strong Female Protagonist webcomic, which is amazing. People nice. should be reading that if they aren't already. But anyway, uh, we were talking about our mutual hopes that uh, uh, Yara should go marry Danny, and uh, then you, uh, Theon would have uh, both Grey Worm and Varys to be eunuch role models <laughs> to show him that his life doesn't have to be over. I like nice. that. That's that's a fun fan fiction. <laughs> all right, Maybe that's what will happen. We don't know. Yeah, you never and then know. they'll all live in a white house on a hill, and, yeah. and they'll be neighbors with Sandor and Sansa. Totally. That's <laughs> I don't see any. I don't see it going any other way. Yeah. Surrounded by little I'm birds good. and spiders. Yeah. And... Right. But yeah, that's so, all I have about Bravo. that. So we find oh. out where's Arya going to go. She's going to go to Westeros. Um, and for some reason, completely lets her guard down and gazes over a bridge. And mm -hmm. that was just stupid. I think we should be careful of speculation and spoilers and people's reporting and probably stick. I would like to hear Chooch's. Chooch, I'd like to hear Chooch's. Of point of view on this this was scene. stupid it there. was absolutely stupid there is no <laughs> reason in my mind her guard would be completely down and she would have just mm -hmm. secured her little cabin and then just ah oh, let's look at the bridge let's look at the city one last time and oh hello mm -hmm. who are you it's bullshit yeah it was okay stupid so so as a non-book reader, and I don't know where the hell the books are on this point, but... Um, none of this is in the books. None of this yeah. is in the books, so this is all pure speculation. Yes. Um, I think no is, clues at all. She's still blind, she, right? No. Uh, no, no, no. In the books, she, yeah, she got oh, her Oh, in the books. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So did she get her sight back in the books at this yes. point? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, so, you're right. You're right. She did. So mm -hmm. does, are we kind of like continuing the possibility from last week that she's working with the theater troupe and has props and is well, putting on a big show? I think that there 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 are several fascinating theories. And again, these are not spoilery. This is all just speculation. Right. Fan made up nonsense. But there's clues in there. And so I my first reaction was exactly like Chooch's. It's like, what? Yeah. How did she get taken off guard like that? It's almost 
suspiciously <laughs> stupid. <Yes>. Theatrically. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So there are two big theories um, in addition. So the, the one that uh, you just mentioned, Viv, that this was uh, a ploy and that somehow she's got props or everything, like, I think that's possible. It uh, The only thing that ha makes me hesitate there is just I, I'm not sure how you could use props to protect oh, no against clue. someone actually it's, trying to stab you in the stomach. Right. Like, like the, wa the wave should know. Trick. Sorry, right. the, wa the wave should know what it feels like to stab. Somebody. I'm just yeah. saying there may be some theater trick that she used. Yeah. That's one of yeah. the few ways that I can process no. the fact that she's going to keep walking after <laughs> yes. the way the wave stabbed her. Yeah, Red Wedding style. 100%. I agree, and and I and I like that theory. I'm and I'm not shooting it down. Um, I'm only just going to raise some additional theories as well because we right don't on. really know. Um, it might actually just turn out that it's just as dumb as it seems, and that she just really got taken off guard. I hope that's not true because that's dumb. But uh, but so here here's two other theories. One is the Fight Club theory. The Waif is not real. Waif is in Arya's head. And so here's an example of that. Remember that a lot of her training, um, remember when she was blind and she's sitting on the street and she had the, you know, the, the Waif would come up and basically hit her with sticks. And there's actually a long shot where it's supposed to be like, oh, the Waif has right. disappeared. But what we see is just Arya all by herself swinging the stick around like a crazy person. Mm -hmm. so. And... And so, and also, there are a lot of scenes where, um, when Arya and the Waif are both in the room, Jockin only talks to Arya. Hmm. What about the Jockin and Waif scenes that we've well, had? Well, so what that could I mean? That's her though, mind. Yeah, it 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 is. Arya is completely in Waif mode when that's happening. Hmm. Again, I'm not saying that this is all perfectly worked out. It's just a theory. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. I, and I, I thought that was a really cool theory. And mm -hmm. so this idea that, so what that might mean is that the stabs, uh, like she might be okay because the stabs are kind of like metaphorical because it's right. not really another person stabbing her or something like that. But mm -hmm. it's like the sort of the two parts of her, the girl, you know, the one that is really a girl who has no name warring inside Arya's head. And so I kind of like that. Gotcha. But, but here's the other theory that I heard. It's not Arya at all. It's Jockin wearing mm -hmm. Ooh, I hope so. face. Because, and, the, and the clues for this too. are, first of all, the idea that it seems dumb that she is so, uh, you know, like nonchalant, seemingly let her guard down. When we, uh, I have to, you know, stand up and do this for the, the, the video. When she's walking around, she's walking around like this. Yes. She's going and booking the cabin and she's on the bridge. Mm -hmm. That's how Hands Jockin behind walks. Her back. Oh, that's true. Like that. I saw it as more of a theatrical thing. Like, no, look, I'm unarmed and I'm defenseless, I but I, I totally did too. I, I didn't pick any of these theories out. That's they were cool. all suggested to me. So I, I read about them. I didn't. I didn't get any of these on my own. <laughs> I I but, had the the waif isn't real idea yeah. several episodes ago, and then I was like, <laughs> oh, she talked to Jacqueline, so that I discounted it. But you yeah. know, it still holds water. Well, yeah. it blows so, out my, the other one. It blows out my theories before that there's actually like a group of faceless people yeah. that inhabit mm -hmm. Jack and, and the Wave mm -hmm. and take turns doing so. Where it, well, it really seems that the Wave, the last two episodes or three episodes, 
that that she really does have it out for Arya, that she really does right. plain hate her, yeah. that it's not just a bad kind of thing. But she really yeah. seems so there's, there's two more. So that makes her yeah. not just a girl, too, though, because that yeah. means that she has oh, totally. desires yeah. and vengefulness, yeah. which should make her go on the list, too, I think. Well, so here's here's there's just a couple more pieces of evidence for that last, that last mm-hmm. theory. Okay. Um, one is the idea that, remember, when he told the Waif to go ahead and do it, he specifically said, do it fast, don't let her suffer. Right. So the idea might be that this is a test for the Waif. Yeah. Who failed because she yeah. stabbed in the gut, which was and clearly twisted. not. It was deliberate suffering, right? Yeah. Which is would be a no-no for their whole philosophy. So that right. might be part of it too. But the last theory that we have to remember is, and and this this actually only works in the show because it's different of how the House of Black and White is different from the books. But remember how Jockin and Arya met. Mm-hmm. He Wasn't... promised her three lives. Right. Took two, and then gave his name as the third. Yep. And he basically bargained to say, yeah. "You gave a man his own name. Well, okay, we're going to have to work out this thing. So, yeah. like, I'll give you this coin. You can come help me. But technically, he still owes her that debt. The yeah. god demands death, and there wasn't one. Hmm. And yep. so, this could be him finally." giving it to her mm-hmm. um, by allowing the waif to fail her own test and and giving him his own life. And so that could mean um, that it's 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 Jack and disguised as Arya that that happens to. Um, but again, like all of this is theories that I love, yeah. and I love all of those explanations better than the idea that Arya was just dumb and let herself get caught. And he got... Her. He so, yeah. got killed when she didn't kill the the guy with the oysters too, right? Yeah, there was still a life um, that needed to be taken. Well, that wasn't that. that he, didn't it, that, it, that gets confusing too because it goes into what you were saying too. That it's like, is it really always the same guy? Is Jockin mm-hmm. the same guy? I don't know. It's hard. That all of this is theories. It doesn't <laughs> explain everything. So, um, another theory is that she made herself into a target. So that she yeah. can fake her own death. Right. And it, she's really stabbed, but that's how far she had to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 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 I do not think Arya is going anywhere. Yeah. Or if she is, there's also red priests around there, so why not resurrect her ass too? <laughs> Everybody else is doing it. <laughs> if Arya, if it really is Arya and Arya is actually stabbed, I think she goes to the theater troupe for help. Because yeah. I don't I think agree. we're done with them. Yeah. Um, I agree. But I mean, they got I Richard wouldn't... E. Grant. I love that man. He's so good. I'm so glad yeah. they have him for the theater troupe. Yeah. But I wouldn't be a bit surprised if... Um, See, because of those various theories we mentioned, I feel like the one where it's it was actually Jack and in disguise seems most right to me. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of thematically in keeping. It ties back to several earlier things. Um, it resolves the idea of um, dealing with the waif who's been set up as an antagonist, you know, and finding a way to deal with her in the sense that oh, now she's failed a test, and so if Jack and is gone, then it's like. Arya gets to kill her in revenge on her way out. Mm. Um, and I don't know, so I just kind of, I like the idea of that, but it's still obviously all. I guess I'm kind of hoping that after all this, Arya's going to be, she's going to be okay with 
not getting all the names crossed off her list. There, she's been surrounded mm -hmm. by death, and I think that hope. And I guess I hope that she grows beyond the need for that revenge, and she can just, you know, yeah. And that's one of the things I liked about the scene with Lady Crane um, portraying Cersei is that, like I said before, I think that she may have given her some some softer sympathy feelings towards Cersei and what she lost. Mm -hmm. So is, what do we have well, next? Ratings or do we have another? Yeah, that's, that's the whole Just episode. Just a couple yeah. Q&A things. Uh, oh, yes. So please. Mike was saying that he agreed with Chooch and he was very upset at the chumpish nature that uh -huh. Arya had. Um, I'm paraphrasing, by the way. Um, yeah. And uh, I think, uh, where is it? Um, Oh, and Sheriff Bullock is very scared for Arya. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that, I mean, because so. I, I gasped when that happened because that mm -hmm. was not like, that was not getting as, a, a, you know, the Hollywood graze on the arm injury. Yeah. That was like slash, stab, stab, twist. Twist, yeah, that was like what I was and saying. Then, it was like the Red Wedding stab. It was and like, then immediately <laughs> jumping into a filthy canal. No one comes back from that without yeah. magic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I did so, see one article that said that I hear that, that they have the best triage centers <laughs> in all the world right up there down the street. Honestly, even with modern medicine, it's not obvious it's that they would be able to save yeah. someone from that injury. Nope. Agreed. She would require emergency surgery probably within an hour. <laughs> She'd need Kyburn. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nice. So um, we have ratings, and um, Viv, this might be asking too much. You don't happen to know what you would have rated the Hold the Door episode, do you? Was I on that recording? You were, you but you left out. early. Oh, I can check my notes real quick if you want to get okay. everybody else's ratings. So uh, ratings for one. this episode? Um, ratings for this episode. I would like to give was, this episode... What? Go ahead. No, go ahead. I would like to give this episode 6,400 out of 8,000 Lannister soldiers. Hang on. 6,400 64 over 80. Out of 8,000. <laughs> such a shit. Uh, hang on. You are such a shit. Why are you making her get out of calculator? No, 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 I guess we haven't done it this season. <laughs> and I probably did the math wrong. <laughs> All right, so you gave that an eight, eight out of ten. So that's an eighty. Uh, it's supposed to be just eight, but yeah. So I oh, did the math wrong. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I know Nettie did it right, so it looks like you're giving it eight point eight. <laughs> no, I, I said I said I it was an eight. That. It was an, a solid eight. The solid eight. Yeah, eighty percent. So sorry if I stuttered a little. I can make it confusing when I stutter. I do stutter sometimes, so I can confuse people when I do that. Uh, Who else? Has Christiana. The Book of the Stranger, Chapter Eight, Verse Ten. Okay. Nice. Damn. That that is good. I was not sure where I was going to go on this. I could have. I was vacillating between six to eight. Uh, yeah, six to anywhere from like six to nine out of ten. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I think I'm going to have to go 
I'll agree with you guys and go with eight out of ten treachery letters. Well, I'm um, not quick enough to think of any like cute thing to say about it, but um, I did not mention the cinematography for this episode, which to me was almost like another character um, in the last two episodes, particularly. But I got—I mean, there were some absolutely stunning shots. So I'm adding—I mean, if if I were to agree with you guys on absolutely everything else on execution and stuff, I'm going to add an extra point for the cinematography. So okay. that'll bring it up to a nine, and I think. Honestly, I think the casting choices that they did and the executions of the execution of the scenes and giving us what they did and 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 teasing us with what they didn't. I'm gonna fucking give it ten out of ten. Oh, okay nice. then. Sorry. Wow. You know what? It would have been a nine um, out of. It would have been a nine, but the cinematography. I kept having to pause and just go, look at that. So beautiful. They really <laughs> are. Amazing. We're getting that big bang for the buck that we didn't get in the first couple of seasons. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. stunning. Um. I will also just briefly say that last week I, I gave a rating and said I was prepared to adjust it depending on how things played out, but given that we got closure on none of the things that I was annoyed with, <laughs> I am not adjusting my score. <laughs> I knew it. I, wow. I thought that was just like real big hopeful, wishful well, thinking. Because all of it was about, well, I want to see how these various uncompleted mm. plot threads yeah. pay off, totally. and none of them paid off. Yeah, I I, so, I gotta admit I didn't get the it's a part one of two. Well, I, I think that was kind of, thinking is like. <laughs> well, it kind of makes sense though the way books uh, three and four were written. It kind of makes well, sense. They play with the timeline. It just yeah. it didn't work well, out this time. It's okay. The reason I thought that was because the same guy wrote and directed the last episode and this one. Right. And so that made it seem to me like there was going to be a little bit of a part one, part two thing, but right. it didn't, didn't, doesn't seem like that. That's not to be. I did not give, uh, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you, Chooch. What did you say? I just said it was not to be, so please. Yeah. So I'm skimming my notes from episode five, which is the hold the door episode, and I don't have a rating for it, but skimming through my notes, it's clear to see that I freaking was soul rape, loved it. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot that was covered, and I think the execution was ama- amazing. The Hodor seeing that final three minutes will haunt me mm-hmm. to the end of my days forever and ever and ever as one of the most dramatizing things I've seen on screen. So I have to give that. Wait, wait. Hold the score. What? <laughs> Hold, the oh, score. Hold the score. Hold the score. <laughs> Oh, score. oh, score. And I fell for it. <laughs> You're so mean. I think I think the execution was haunting and deliberate and masterful. So I give that episode five, ten out of ten. Sorry if I'm blowing the curve, guys. I just <laughs> I am passionate. I just okay, I could so not I- love it more. I glitched out a little bit, but I did get that score. So now uh, our cumulative rating for the door, which really should be hold the door, um, is a 9.3 out of 10 instead of a 9 out of 10. So very nice. And um, Viv, your impassioned uh, discussion of tonight's episode actually made me change my rating to 8.5. Uh, the extra .5 is simply for Ian McShane. <laughs> so uh, for tonight's episode, we have a cumulative score of 8.6. 
I still don't know what the fuck show you guys are watching because it's a 10 <laughs> all across the board, but I love it. <laughs> I guess that's why we're a good couple. Well, it's really we a 9.8.6. Yeah. Well, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just scale, you know what I mean? It's like I can't make them all 9 or 10. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's, or we're, not, we're not judging it against other shows. We're right. judging it against other episodes of this yes. show. And that's, and, I tried that. Remember there was a season where I said the starting is nine. If mm-hmm. the very minimum an episode could be is nine and the point, the decimal will be like mm-hmm. the variable and they all end up being. And um, <laughs> Sheriff Bullock had said that uh, he rates this episode a nine out of 10 wasted McShane's. Aww. So he's leaning more towards you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't um, think there were any other ratings. I saw another chat. one, but it looks like whoever it was uh, took it back off, so I don't remember what it was. <laughs> Did we have any feedback? Backsies. Uh, there was um, the one I read during the thing. During the thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On so last episode, I had said I would check iTunes because I had forgotten to check if there were new reviews. That we've mm. had some more ratings. We have an excellent mm-hmm. rating. Thank you very much, everybody. But we do not have any more iTunes reviews at all, so I don't have anything to read. Right. So uh, people can you head want to, to break that down. Like people are able to star it, and then we can't identify who they are, so we can't give them credit for an entry in the contest as part of it. That's very true. Yeah, when somebody just does a star, Apple doesn't give us any um, any way to in to see that. Like, and it makes sense; yeah. they don't want you to know who rated who, whatever. <clears throat> so I misspoke when I said if you give us, you know, ratings that you would be entered into the contest because I don't have any way to enter you in there. So that was totally my bad. I totally screwed that up. Um, <laughs> so I guess you, but could... we thank you very much. Yeah. Um, if you leave an actual review though, we will count that and we will give you a bonus bonus five entries into our contest for the $50 gift card. Um, because reviews have names and reviews we can, yeah. we can see. But also feedback, share out the episodes, um, give us the email feedback like Mark did, and uh, join our live Q&A. Um, like I said, the uh, iTunes page is at bit.ly slash btwpodcast, B-I-T dot L-Y slash btwpodcast. Takes you directly to our current iTunes page. Um, and also I updated the um, specficmedia.com slash btw. We have a, a, a list of feeds there. So that gives the list of um, link direct links to uh, YouTube to see the video episodes, direct uh, feed links for iTunes, and the new Android client. So uh, Android or Google Play Music now has full podcasting support, and we are in that directory as well. So if you are an Android-type person and you're trying that out, you can subscribe to us there. You can rate us and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, you could always subscribe to our regular RSS feeds with any other podcatcher you use. Those will keep on working just fine. <laughs> and uh, if I may, if you're in another country outside the United States, please let us know if you leave a review because we can't always track them all. Um, oh my God, that's right. Totally yeah, that's right. right. Thank you, Nutty. It's a very big uh, contention for podcasters being able to check all the different reviews. Uh, there have been tools out there, and every time you subscribe to one, it ends up uh, breaking or not working anymore. <laughs> and so the only way that you can do is if you know the specific code to write in, and then you have to go and check each country individually. Wow. And it's it's insane and impossible so far. Uh, I have checked Australia, I have checked Great Britain, and I have checked um, Canada. Uh, We only have reviews for the U.S. So 
If you want to get to be first in your country, you can, but please send us an email so that we know so that we can give you five entries into the contest. Thank yeah, you something as simple as a screen capture. Or just tell us and we can find it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So that does it for us. That's another episode. Episode seven's done. We've got what? Eight, nine, ten. Gosh. I know. It's crazy. Stop counting. Stop counting. And they haven't missed any weeks. Like usually there'll be a miss or something. There's a week. They're just yeah, barreling. I feel like there was usually a week skip. Just this is I the first season that they didn't skip a week. Ludicrous. I feel speed. like we're closer to the end than we actually are. Mm-hmm. Because so much has happened this season. Ludicrous. Really, speed. really lot. Absolutely. Really I keep nuts. thinking like, is this the eighth episode? Is this the ninth? Oh no, no, it's only <laughs> the seventh. I know. Oh, they've really. See, I was the reverse. I would feel like it just doesn't seem right that we're almost we're almost at the end. I keep thinking it's more like four or five. <laughs> <laughs> so much has happened. It's great. Uh, yeah. So, do we want the uh, name of next week? Oh yeah, episode? please. Yeah. I, oh shoot! I just had it open. Hang on a second. <laughs> <sighs> And trying to say, make things faster. Uh, oh, I know what it is. I remember now. It's no one. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which, so that sounds like a lot a lot more business to do with uh, Arya and, and all yeah. of that. Well, mm-hmm. I, there's a lot of... I mean, we might see some character development with Theon coming back from being no one, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I hope that it, much like this episode, the title can apply to many people. I'm sure it will. That's their thing. In a surprising way, I think they're able to really incorporate a whole bunch of different people. With it's just really it's masterful. I don't. I just. I. I can't love this season more. It's so good. <laughs> well, I know I say that a lot. Sorry. Yeah. Well, That's I can't right. wait till next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern to talk about it with you, which is where everybody can tune in and. We'll talk to you then. Thank you, everybody. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) If you have feedback for the Beyond the Wall podcast, you can email us at btw at specficmedia.com. You can also leave us a comment on the website. Go to specficmedia.com where you'll find a shiny BTW button that'll take you right to our page. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, Sharealike, 3.0, Unported License. Feel free to share and remix. Just give us credit and don't charge money for it. You promised me a lordship and a castle and a high-born beauty for a wife. And you'll get all three. A Lannister always Don't pays- say it. Don't fucking say it.